Welcome to the Social Minute, a podcast that looks at social network minute by minute. Today, we are going to be covering minute number 116. It goes from an hour 55 to an hour 55 59. And we start with Mark. He's just sent his friend request uh, to Erica Albright. And he is refreshing the page uh, occasionally um, as Baby You're a Rich Man continues to play. Uh, we find out what happened, um, you know, uh, National Lampoon style to uh, Eduardo, and uh, and then it ends with a statement that is, in fact, a lie, telling us that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is the world's youngest billionaire. Um, and then we cut to black and the titles start scrolling upwards. Uh, the last title I think we see um, in this particular um, minute is Brenda Song's Credit. Um, and joining me to talk about this today is Richard Burns. Hello, Richard. Hey, Darren. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. And uh, yeah, so this is effectively the final full or kind of ish minute of uh, the film with any people in uh, before we kind of end up with the credits for the rest of this week. Um, and uh, the friend request, apparently, according to the person who is the real person that was portrayed as Erica Albright in this film, uh, she said that, yes, Mark Zuckerberg did send her a friend request, and yes, she did turn it down. She didn't accept his his uh, friend request. Um, although, you know, beans, as this is stuff that's on the internet, I don't know how true that is, but um, I guess... Um, you know, Mark sending that friend request is meant to just reflect all of us sending a friend request on Facebook and expectantly waiting for the other person to, um, you know, see it and uh, and become our friend. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this minute mostly is kind of concerned with the the kind of the, the like the information that is 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 given. First of all, we find out that Eduardo Savarin received an unknown settlement. His name has been restored to the Facebook masthead as a co-founder. Um, so he did get some money. Um, obviously, when he left, he threatened to come back for all of it. Um, I don't think he did come back for all of it. I think they gave him like a percentage of stock, and he sold that stock um, a few years later. Um, and as as I previously said, he then renounced his citizenship of the U.S. and he lives in a a place where you don't have to pay that much tax, even as a billionaire. So <laughs> uh, he he took the money and ran basically. Um, uh, obviously, he you know he was um, he was Brazilian anyway, so I, he, you know technically speaking, he wasn't American anyhow. So you know he, he doesn't owe anything to the American government. He doesn't have to stay there and pay their taxes. Um, you know, uh, I don't know that he still has any Facebook stock at this particular moment, but I know he did for a number of years after um, you know the the book uh, came out and also after this film came out. Um, and if you want to find the masthead, um, good luck to you because. Facebook does not make that um, easy to find. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it takes a little bit of Googling to find out where the masthead is. It's not like it's uh, anything easy. I mean, these days it just basically identifies um, the different kind of people who have the main roles at Facebook. The CFO, the COO, all those types of people. So it's, you know, it's kind of, and then it's, it does say, you know, Eduardo Severin, co-founder. So, uh, you know, you can find it. It just takes a bit of searching. Yeah, I guess probably whatever settlement they came to stipulated, it has to continue to say that. Yeah, I'm going to guess Mark wouldn't be able to just, in a in a fit of rage, just remove Eduardo Saffron again from Facebook without facing some kind of consequences. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, although interestingly, uh, you know, in the previous minutes when Marilyn was there and she was advising Mark that he's going to have to settle... Um, she did say, obviously, you'll have to make them sign non-disclosure agreements so that if they say anything bad about you in public, you know, you own their wife and kids, which which is how she put it, which is a very kind of Aaron Sorkin-y thing to say. Yeah. Um, uh, but 
I, I don't. I, I mean, Eduardo Saverin. I don't know that he said bad things about Facebook, but obviously he was the he was the only person who kind of publicly contributed to the accidental billionaires. So, um, you know, like he he kind of um, you know he, I, he he wasn't bound by the same kind of non disclosure agreement that I think the Winklevoss twins were. I think because basically their like their settlement was more about um, like I, I don't know intellectual property theft. Whereas Eduardo Saverin's was one of a clear, you know, he'd he'd been part of the company, he'd been issued shares, those shares have been diluted. Like, it's more of a kind of, a, you know, a kind of a, 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 a kind of very easy to see kind of legal thing. Right. Uh, whereas right. I think with the Winklevoss twins, it's, it's a bit more kind of nebulous as to exactly why they're getting the money. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and even in the film, they like it's kind of very dismissively done that like they had this website that they, you know, they lost their coder and they got Mark to kind of come in and you know all the emails back and forth. You could kind of argue that really they don't they didn't deserve the money they got anyway, but still you know for the sake of you know of moving on and making sure they didn't sue Facebook again at a later time, it's probably the best thing that they got that payment when they did. Um, you know, whereas with Eduardo, you know, he was he was there in the dorm. You know, he was he was part of the group that kind of you know founded Facebook, and and you know his claim I feel was a bit more valid. Right. Yeah. And and he was you know more personally personally wronged by Mark and. Although although you know they they kind of um, you know it, it's it's kind of funny because you know with Eduardo's kind of, kind of like in years after this you know. After Eduardo left, and you know the the kind of you know the the fi- the film came out and stuff, um, you know there was kind of like more of an argument that actually uh, you know Eduardo's part was a lot smaller, and and he you know basically he supplied the money, and that was pretty much it, <laughs> and he didn't really have much else to do with Facebook. Right, like he gave them the money for a server, and you know he was only called a CFO because he was the the, the kind of business graduate that was in the, the, the or business undergraduate should i say that was in the dorm and so that's kind of you know like right um, his money was more was his background was in in finance and money and not not the technical nuts and bolts of actually creating facebook so yeah i mean that's a it's a valid argument yeah so they, they've said that really him and mark weren't as close as was portrayed in the in the film mm, okay um, although Funny enough, um, you know the the kind of like the idea that he wasn't that close of a friend to Mark Zuckerberg in the film, and I, you know, I said this in the minutes where where Eduardo said this. You know, he he kind of makes this kind of kind of teary declaration that he was Mark's only friend, and it's like, yeah, but dude, we've seen him with literally like Chris and Dustin, and <laughs> like we've seen like there's there's four other guys just in your dorm that he's friends with, like. Yeah, um, he, you know, it's 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 not. He seems as friendly with know. them as he does with anybody. Like the whole kind of crux of the movie is Mark Zuckerberg's like personal f- failings as a social human. The kind of irony of the the title and his his legacy and the fact that he's you know at the end of the movie getting back to the you know the last thing we see is is him still kind of trying to repair a connection that the you know at the start he kind of ruins he ruins in that first uh, exchange with um Rooney Mara and uh, Erica and you know that's he's you know gone into this huge success and the movie's leaving him with this note of you know he's he's now a billionaire he's you know he's achieved what he what he set out to and then obviously we know he's gone on to do so much else but uh 
but he still, you know, he still has to make that human connection or try and reconnect with somebody. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen him struggle with that and not, not know how to kind of handle the, the human interactions at different points. And that's, I think why it's so relatable and such like kind of a poignant note to note to go out on. Of course, underscored by, um, you know, uh, David Fincher having this extremely expensive song <laughs> played underneath. Yes. Um, and with the the most kind of like on the nose thing. Actually, some of the other songs that were in this film were fairly on the nose as well. But the fact that it's Baby, You're a Rich Man, like literally just as the kind of card for, you know, he's the world's youngest billionaire comes up um, is kind of is kind of funny. It's 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 kind of, it's weird because it's the kind of like um, almost kind of like on the nose irony that David Fincher doesn't normally indulge in, um, but you know I still kind of like the choice. It's very yeah. He's a you know I was I was thinking about that. It's it's almost it's almost too easy, but at the same time like almost you couldn't make another choice. And he does he does kind of go for that ironic like he uh, he underscores that's uh, a like torture interrogation scene in the girl with dragon tattoo with an Enya song um which yeah. is so he he's he's not above like kind of just like a, a like a cheeky little like joke with a song and um it's really yeah it's on the nose but like i can't i can't fault him for it it's just like the perfect <laughs> note for that scene like it's really it's just it's really uh it's, it's a really strong ending i just i think it really ties everything together and like I can't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. It's a perfect song, I think. Yeah. And I I mean, obviously, we get kind of like um, throughout the whole film, we've always had these membership counts. So obviously, when we got to, you know, a thousand members, 10,000 members, 100,000 members, and obviously the million member party um, through, throughout the film, we've had these counts. And then for the kind of the penultimate card we get, it says Facebook has 500 million members in 207 countries. It's currently valued at $25 billion. Now, obviously, all of those numbers are completely wrong. <laughs> I think by the time even the film came out, um, Facebook was closer to a billion uh, members than than 500 million. Yeah. Um, and obviously, its, value, it's valuation, um, since it's floated on the stock market, has kind of gone up and down. Um, the irony is there was a point where, um, I think it was earlier this year, Mark Zuckerberg announced that they were going to change the way the news feed works and they were going to, I don't know, take out take out some kind of part of that news feed so that certain things didn't appear. Um, and Facebook overnight lost $100 billion of its market cap. Yeah. And so that's like four times as much as the, the entire company is valued at at this point um, in, in the kind of in history. Um, so it, it's it's kind of amazing to see how big it has become. Um, yeah, right. And obviously, you know, how you know insidious it has become, I would say, <laughs> in terms of like it's kind of I mean, something that I think like something that it kind of managed to do that I think, um, you know, my MySpace and some other sites have kind of failed at. Um, is this thing which uh, I don't think even people really notice these days, but sign in with Facebook, which is a third-party thing where if you go onto other websites and you sign up for stuff, you can, and even with, within apps, you can you can sign up using your Facebook account. Right. Um, and this is something that I've done recently with a game that I downloaded, which is uh, Mario Kart Tour, which I am playing on my phone, uh, which some people, I don't know why they don't like it. You know, it's it's Mario Kart. What's not to like? <laughs> um, but to, to but to find your friends on that, you can, rather than using like, um, you know, a friendship code or whatever, you can just literally link your Facebook account and then all your friends on Facebook who have the app and who have linked their accounts, you can find them all. And, and so like that ability to kind of, 
uh, take the data that Facebook has and use that as like a verifying thing for other websites. Um, I mean, Google do it as well, obviously. You know, yeah. you know, everything that's on my, everything that's on my phone, which you know runs Android. I just basically sign into Gmail, and then literally every other app just uses Gmail as kind of like the main sign. Right. Um, but I think that that was one of the things that Facebook started doing that other kind of social network websites were slow to adopt. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the things that's made it so kind of like vital in terms of people's kind of like online lives is the fact that you can just sign into Facebook, and then every other website after that just uses that information to verify who you are. Yeah, Facebook is basically just stepped in to like represent us online. It is like this is me online. This is this is who I am. You know, it I think obviously this is also an issue, you know, that came out of the recent, you know, the recent American election, not the current one that we are interminably stuck in. Um but like kind of making a new Facebook account these days is a lot harder because obviously they don't want, you know, bots. And the same is true of Twitter as well, you know, I've for my many podcasts, I have various different Twitter accounts and trying to create a new Twitter account and not get it like immediately blocked as a bot is very, very kind of hard to do these days. It takes like a lot of effort to um, kind of verify stuff. Um, so it's it's kind of funny that like, you know, we're, we're, we're allowing these websites to basically say, yes, this is the true, you know, authentic version of myself. And and you know other websites then rely on that as as like accurate data. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then we finish, as I said, with a lie, uh, where it says Mark Zuckerberg is the youngest billionaire in the world. Uh, now, obviously, since this point, other people who are younger than Mark Zuckerberg have become billionaires. So inevitably, that statement was always going to end up being uh, incorrect. Uh, but it was actually incorrect at the release of this film, anyway. Uh, because Dustin Moskovitz um, was born on the 22nd of May, 1984, and Mark Zuckerberg was born on the 14th of May. So Dustin Moskovitz, um, who is younger than Mark Zuckerberg, on the day that Facebook you know, became valued as a billion-dollar company, his percentage in Facebook uh, made him a billionaire. Uh-huh. And he was, you know, a week younger than Mark Zuckerberg. So even on the even on the day that this film came out, that statement was incorrect. Mark Zuckerberg wasn't even the youngest billionaire in Facebook. <laughs> he wasn't even the youngest billionaire to come from that dorm. So, but I I do kind of I, I it, it's kind of funny that it's like I don't know what to make of that statement because I always find it really weird when I get to the end of this film, uh, which I've done now I would say a couple of dozen times. Um, and you kind of, you know, everyone gradually leaves Mark. He's left alone by himself. He's there with his computer, sends a friend request, keeps refreshing it. Obviously, baby, a rich man starts playing. And this statement comes up, and I'm like, it feels really weird because it's like, am I meant to celebrate that he's the youngest billionaire in the world, <laughs> or am I meant to be angry, or like, oh, am I me- like the fact that it's this isolated image of him just by himself with the words Mark Zuckerberg is the youngest billionaire in the world? Am I meant to feel sorry for Mark? Like what? Like it, that kind of last shot always makes me think like, what is the intention that that David Fincher had? Um, and I think when the film first came out, his intention was just this is kind of astounding that this is, you know, the youngest billionaire in the world. But I think, like, nine years on, that statement seems kind of more and more, like, you know, a reason, you know, if you were to see this in the cinema today, to start ripping the chairs up and smashing the joint. You know, because it's like, it's just, it would just kind of make people more angry um, than anything else. Yeah, I think um, I've always taken it as sort of, I mean, you know, the kind of the the critical um, line at the time was that, you know, this was applying kind of like a, Shakespearean tragedy to like the story about tech billionaires 
rise. And I think that, you know, we are meant to, we are meant to pity him because, you know, it's how you described it is accurate. You know, people have left him. He's kind of isolated himself through his, you know, lawsuits with friends and his behavior and just the people he surrounded him with, you know, Sean Parker gets, um, in legal trouble and, and all that. Uh, and we do just see him, we see him alone, just looking at a computer screen. And that's kind of what we've seen the whole movies. He's, you know, he's more captivated by his work on the computer screen. Um, or, uh, and I think that it's, you know, kind of supposed to be an ironic note where it's like, this is what he's achieved. He's young. He's a billionaire. He, you know, presumably that should be, that should be what anyone would want, right? Is kind of the, the, the capitalist idea of success is, you know, if you're, if you're a billionaire when you're young, like that should be the pinnacle, but like, what does he have? He's alone with the computer, just trying to, trying to reconnect with somebody who is not going to probably want to do that. And so, yeah, I think we're, I think we're supposed to, you know, kind of feel sorry for him. Um, maybe not in any, any real way, cause it's just supposed to reflect, you know, something he needs to reckon with. But, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's tragic and I think it's kind of sad. I think it's definitely like uh, at most a melancholy ending. Um, and obviously, I think it, you know, in the time since the films come out, I think people's ideas of whether or not billionaires are people that we should be looking up to have probably changed. Um, you know, I'm I'm guessing like you know, getting yourselves under the Forbes like you know, rich list or whatever in in 2010 was probably seen as something kind of admirable. Whereas I think these days. Uh, most people who use or have abandoned Facebook would be like, yeah, I don't think these people deserve this much money, um, you know. And of course, the irony is at the time, um, you know, of these lawsuits, Mark was dating his now wife, Priscilla, and, you know, he had been in a relationship with her for a couple of years. So he was, you know, he, he definitely wasn't pining for anyone that he went out with, you know, at Harvard. Um, right. But I, I still kind of like the dramatic license of, you know, rounding the film out by having it finish where it started with him and Erica. Um, although, of course, at this point, she's now just kind of on the screen and she's not going to interact with him. Although, you know, one might argue that in the first scene, she was probably better off being on the other side of her computer at that point as well. Right. Just letting Mark kind of talk to himself. So, <laughs> so probably an improvement uh, on her part. <laughs> but yeah, and so, of course, you know, let's talk about Baby, You're a Rich Man. I didn't want to discuss it much last week because obviously this, you know, this film really kind of, it, it dominates the entire of this minute other than the, the kind of, uh, you know, the, the kind of notes that come up about what people have been doing uh, since the film came out. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's kind of an interesting track, um, you know, in that... Uh, like when it first came out, it was seen as a, a kind of a song about Brian Epstein, who, of course, was, you know, the Beatles manager um, and kind of a comment about how he had made, you know, a lot of money off the Beatles. <laughs> so, um, you know, and the Beatles were always ones to kind of bite the hands that fed them, um, you know. And so it's kind of funny that they would make a song about kind of like their manager and, and kind of how wealthy he is. Um, and interestingly, the fact that they had, you know, this is this is not like an album track. Um, it's not like, you know, it's not re it wasn't released as a single. It's just a B-side um, from All You Need Is Love, which feels like the opposite message to this song. Like, you know, um, kind of <laughs> between like, you know, the Beatles saying that love is all you need. And then on the other side being like, oh, by the way, you've made a ton of money off like, you know, this extremely popular band. Um, it, like it's it's kind of a funny set of comments. 
um, you know, from the Beatles. Um, and I, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is, I would say, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, I, I don't know. Like I, I'd say in terms of like a Beatles song, I'd say it's probably like a, for me, it's probably like about an eight and an eight out of 10. Like it's, it feels like a kind of, I mean, its origins are kind of betrayed from the fact that it was a combination of like a, a, a Lennon song, which was called, you know, one of the beautiful people. And then the, the kind of baby you're a rich man stuff is, is basically kind of like the Paul half of the song. Um, which is which is kind of weird. Like it's it's you know it's very it's very it's very rare that the Beatles actually did lived up to the whole Lennon slash McCartney thing, and this is kind of one of those few tracks where it actually, you know, uh, it actually is that. Um, and I think you know even later on, you know, John Lennon described it as two songs smushed into one, basically like forced to kind of be together. Right. <laughs> um, and you do like the the verse and the chorus do feel very kind of like different. Like they're you know the kind of the pace of the, the the kind of chorus is is completely different to the way that the the verses are delivered um you know and so it does kind of feel that there is this kind of uh, like very kind of sharp lennon wit with the whole kind of uh you know uh, verses and then the chorus does feel a bit kind of simplistic of just, of just you're a baby you're a rich man repeated a few times yeah. Um, but like I say, it's a, like it's a great choice, and the fact that it's a Beatles song means that it was extremely, you know, pricey to kind of get for the film. So again, it kind of it goes to the the idea that you know Mark Zuckerberg has made a ton of money. Uh, were he a person to I don't know fund a biography of his life, I'm guessing he would fill it with extremely expensive songs, and uh, and that's probably what this is. Yeah, and it it kind of underscores the. What you know? What I was sort of feeling about the ending, where it's you know you have you have money and what it what it means what it means to the person who has it and like the you know the questions the verse asks the kind of the sort of existential like you know how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people like it's you know it's it's asking a question of this person who has all this money and I feel like that's kind of what the that final shot is doing and what the the movie is sort of the story it's telling about the the movie's version of mark zuckerberg um and yeah it's a totally you know it's a it's a great choice it's a great choice for the movie and um you know i didn't i didn't know all that i didn't know that it was a b-side i think i'd possibly heard that at some point but not something i knew off the top of my head but um yeah it all just you know it kind of just it works in so many different ways like it's a really it's a really savvy choice and yeah you know on the nose but perfect for it all the more all the more perfect for it. So, and the version that's being used here was the 2009 remaster um, that was done. Um, you know, I think around the time that the Beatles were doing um, Beatles Rock Band, mm. um, and so they basically went in and remastered a whole bunch of songs and, and re-released everything on CD. Uh, and that they also had like the mono and stereo. Uh, releases of their albums which you know the mono I think hadn't been available on CD ever so you know um, right yeah also you, you know the Beatles well known for re-releasing stuff over and over again in many different formats <laughs> so they can make as much money as is humanly possible right. <laughs> um, and I, I well I think I think it's interesting though because obviously um, you know that this the CD mastering that was done of, of the Beatles songs in like the uh, I think it's like around eighty seven or something when they were on CD for the first time was notoriously bad. Um, so you know I think after kind of twenty years they were finally kind of getting around to putting that right and and actually putting out like decent um, copies of the of the songs. Right. Yeah. Although of course if you if you own the number ones album that had come out a few years before you already kind of had a remastered version of some of the songs anyway. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Beatles have got you know a back catalogue of two hundred and seven songs, and I'm sure each of them has been released that many times <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're not they're not fools, you know. Nope. Nope. <laughs> like, um, you know, they may they they may have done some kind of stuff with hippies towards the end of their career, but they you know they were astute businessmen right from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, well then, let's go to the Monday question, uh, which is: Did you see the Social Network at the cinema? You know, I I am pretty I can't remember offhand, but I'm fairly certain I would have. Um, I certainly, uh, I yeah, I would have been. It came out in 2010, so yeah, I mean, I would have been out of high school a few years. I certainly would have been going to the movies um, frequently. I knew David Fincher, so yeah, uh, yeah, because you know I saw Zodiac in the theater, so I definitely would have seen the next. The next David Fincher movie as well. Um, the next David Fincher movie after Zodiac was Benjamin Button. Mm, actually, then you have caught me. You have caught me in a lie. Uh, that's a good point. I, much, much, much like the end of this film. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He 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 got he got uh, Oscar nominated for Benjamin Button in between yes. uh, doing Zodiac. That is true. This. That came out. Yeah, that was two thousand. That was two thousand eight, right? So wow, yeah. that's kind of a massive movie to just do. Right. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> zodiac also and must, he used he... must have been a huge movie um to just like to create that's that's yeah okay so i think i just i just i mean like many people i just wasn't as interested in benjamin button as i was in in zodiac and then the social network subsequently um although interestingly benjamin button was his most financially successful film until um gone girl came mm-hmm. out um so well that's a, that's a brad pitt <laughs> i guess he'll Get butts yeah. and seats. Um, well, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Richard? You know, I don't. I don't really have anything to plug. Um, I'm on. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Richard Burns, but I don't really tweet. So. <laughs> and you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com/socialminute or on Twitter at social underscore minute or on Facebook at social minute podcast. Thanks for being my guest here today, Richard. Thanks for having me. And I'll speak to you tomorrow. Talk to you then. Hey.